The first time is Chirp Radio's live lit and music series, recorded at Martyrs in North Center. The theme this round was First City. We've got Jasmine Davila, who is a brilliant writer, storyteller. She did this last minute. And to fill in, and she's kind of a genius. She co-hosts and co-produces Misspoken, which is an amazing storytelling kind of show for women and women like feminine-identified persons. Um, it is at Gallery Cabaret, of course. I've been there several times. I've performed at this damn show. Give it up, Jasmine Davila. Picture it, Okinawa. 1984. A chubby 8-year-old with frizzy hair runs circles around the second grade classroom at Bob Hope Primary School, (laughs) bragging to anybody with an earshot. Her family is leaving the little island at the end of the school year. They're trading in Japan for the U.S. of freaking A. Most of my classmates, like me, were Navy brats. They were American at birth, but had been born abroad. And they were young enough that they had never visited the places in the States where their parents had come from. Places like Sacramento and Indianapolis, Brownsville, Atlanta, and Boston. Now, unlike them, my parents were from the Philippines, where natives, like my father, were able to enlist in the United States Navy due to a decades-old agreement between the two countries. Now, due to his service, he was able to earn American citizenship for himself. First, he was a sailor, and now he was a civilian. And now that he was going to be a civilian, he was free to go where he pleased. Now, I don't know if you know anything about what life was like in the Philippines in the 1980s. It wasn't great, especially if you're poor or middle class. Now, my own grandparents, my father's parents, had left the country during martial law, which had just ended in 1981, and he decided to follow in their footsteps, trade in our little island in the Pacific for another little island off the coast of the North American mainland. I'm moving to New York City. I am going to live in the Statue of Liberty. No, I'm going to live on Sesame Street with my best friends, Bert and Ernie, and we're going to eat McDonald's whenever we want. That's what I said. And I'm pretty sure they believe me. Now, it turns out there aren't any direct flights from Okinawa to the Statue of Liberty, so our arrival in the Big Apple was preceded by stops with brief, uncomfortable layovers in Anchorage, Alaska, Los Angeles, California, and St. Louis, Missouri. So I froze, I burned, I sweated, but it was all worth it, and I was convinced. Because in New York, I was going to make friends, real friends that wanted to play with me for real, and not because their parents made them. Kids who didn't tease me about being fat or weird that one time in the first grade when I wet my pants. We were going to live on a real street, in a real city, not on a back road in the countryside where families lived when there wasn't enough room for them in the gated communities on the Air Force Base. We were going to vacation at Disneyland and other places with air conditioning instead of going to the stupid old Philippines to see my mom's side of the family. We arrived in May. My father had neither job nor home, so the five of us, me, him, my mom, my older sister, my toddler brother, stayed with my grandparents. Their abode wasn't a charming floor-through apartment in a brownstone upstairs from Big Bird. It was a one-room apartment in Elmhurst, in an old apartment building that seemed to shed a layer of paint every week that we lived there. Everything and everywhere and everyone was damp. 
Was it the incessant rain? Was it the sweat? Was it urine? Yes, it was all of them. <laughs> so mom and dad decided to wait until fall to enroll us in school. We had the summer to spend as much time as possible outside of the tiny apartment, lest we get, get on grandma and grandpa's nerves to explore our new home. We are going to go as far as our subway tokens would take us. Now, taking the subway was and still is a rough contact sport where people didn't care if you were a little kid as they shoved you aside, either to move into an empty seat or just for the joy of shoving others. People never shut up, gossiping and fighting and making up in dozens of languages. Kids regarded me and my siblings with suspicion, the same age as us, but light years ahead of us in cynicism and attitude. When we finally made it to school, our classmates hailed from all over the Caribbean, Latin America, and Eastern Europe, yet they found it difficult to believe that there was a place such as Okinawa or the Philippines, and for years insisted to my face that I was really Chinese just so they could sing that dumb schoolyard taunt about having dirty knees or whatever. Kids are kids, which is to say that they are assholes. <laughs> New York kids were just really good at it, and in time, I got good at it too. Now, I don't recall being disappointed that the New York City of my dreams of Sesame Street and late night movies on the Armed Forces Network never quite materialized because in its place was a sweat-soaked, urine-scented reality of it. I didn't come to New York. It was like the city came on me. I actually left New York 25 years ago. This hasn't stopped me from claiming it. And I've seen friends, I've watched Sex in the City, Felicity, girls, nice white people coming to New York to see their dreams come true. And as bougie as I am, I could never really relate. You know, making minimum, minimum wage while living in stupidly large apartments that never have roach infestations. The only black, brown, and yellow people are manicurist nannies and the occasional booty call to make a white character seem edgy. <laughs> Being Asian and fat and poor and a child meant never really seeing a New York story quite like mine on the big screen. And then, picture it, Zamunda, 1988. <laughs> A young man lives a stifled life in an exotic of African country. Upon reaching manhood, he goes out into the world to find love in his own time and on his own terms. He examines a map with his best friend and they make the decision, the same journey that my own family had made four years before. In coming to America, Prince Akim arrives in Queens, his best friend Semi in tow, in search of an American bride. His queen-to-be would be smart and beautiful, and she would stand by his side when at last he was ready to return to his homeland and take his place on the throne. He saw Queens for what it was, but could not stop himself from imagining the opportunity that awaited him. He said, fascinating, Semi. Look at this. America is great indeed. Imagine a country so free one can throw glass on the streets. Akeem understood that there would be challenges and that the path to true love would not run smoothly. He'd have to navigate the New York housing market, the job market, hostile neighbors, a suspicious boss, his parents searching for him, the queen's single scene, a jerry-curled romantic rival, and a love interest who might not be able to see past the modest janitor's uniform that disguised his royal lineage. But nothing about it was impossible. With his best friend and an unlimited supply of cash, Akeem was free. <laughs> and if you've ever been lucky enough to go to Queens, either to live or just to visit, then you'll understand why it was where he 
and I were meant to be. Thank you. Teach them well and let them lead the way Show them all the beauty they possess inside Give them a sense of pride To make it easier Let the children's laughter Remind us how we used to be Everybody's searching for a hero People need someone to look up to I never found anyone who fulfilled my needs A lonely place to be And so I learned to depend on me I decided long ago Never to walk in anyone's shadows If I fail, if I succeed At least I live as I believe No matter what they take from me They can't take away my dignity Because the greatest Love of all is happening to me Great. 
chance that special place that you've been dreaming You can find this and other Chirp Radio interviews and podcasts at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.